Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? It is Monday, December 18th. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. How you doing, man? Dragon. You're in the, but you're in the Christmas spirit. You got a red sweater on. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> so is that festive or is that just the first thing you grabbed in the morning? Well, it was the first thing I grabbed, but it's kind of apropos because I got to go shopping today. I got to get my wife something. You, you haven't done it yet? No. I, you know, I, we were talking before. I'm, I typically take her and I'm like, get what you want. Yeah. I don't want to, like, who, at this point, it's 20 some years. Like, dude, just get what you want. Make <laughs> right. sure you're happy. Uh, but we haven't done it yet, so we gotta do it today. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I gotta find something for my wife. I tell her very clearly for my birthday, cause it's the month before Christmas. Yeah. Like, don't buy me anything. I don't want it. I just don't, I don't need anything. Right. Like, and if she gets, I, if she got me something, the chances are historically hasn't gotten the best. On the gifts. positive. So I'm, I'm always kind of like, eh, you know what? Don't worry about it. But, uh, this year, I kind of like your idea, going together and just yeah. buying something. But here's what I like to do. Call me cheap. I say, let's go shop in the 26th. Because oh, that's wow. when everything goes on sale. Yeah. But see, and I, I think I get her to buy in like beforehand. But then Christmas morning, it's just not the same. If you're saying, "Hey, I can't wait to shop with you tomorrow," well, you got to get a little gift. You got to get a little something for the Christmas morning placeholder. Yeah. With the understanding that yeah. we're going to go hit the real deal on the 26th. <laughs> All right, right? I'm, I'm going to do that. I'll get her a little something, one of those little cards. All right, let's get to it. We do it every Monday. It's what we learned. We've got a lot to cover, and time is short. All right, for the NFL. Patriots, Steelers, game of the weekend definitely lived up to the hype. We learned we still don't know what a catch is. To the end zone. Touchdown, Pittsburgh! Jesse James! After reviewing the play, the receiver in the end zone did not survive the ground. It's an incomplete pass. Oh, my goodness. Pittsburgh's ball. Second down and 10 at the 10-yard line. So it's one of the most controversial rules, or it definitely is now if it wasn't before, because it had a major impact on the game. I was watching the game, getting ready to eat dinner. My wife's like, come on, let's go eat dinner. I'm like, there's one minute left. As soon as I saw that, I thought it was a touchdown. I'm bouncing. I'm like, I'm going to eat with the kids. Right. And then I got into more trouble because I'm over there looking out of the sure, corner of my eye like, why is the game still going on? <laughs> go back and watch it. But – it's the rule is what it is. It's there very clearly, and it didn't live up to the rule. Yeah, I guess technically, um, it wasn't a catch. I, you know, that's a tough play for me. It, it's kind of like the the play in in basketball where they throw you an alley oop, and you got to make a decision whether you like you dunk it or you come down with it, and you know you're going to get a clear two points when you go back up with it because there's no one around, and inevitably, most jerk offs try to dunk it and they miss the dunk, and now it's so like I don't. Like, I get it, man. You're trying to get a touchdown. They're only, like, 40 seconds left. But if you just tuck that ball away and you're down at the half-yard line, you're going to punch it in. Worst-case scenario, you're going to get a field goal. That's a lot to ask. But, but like, I'm saying, dude, just tuck the ball away and get down. Yeah. I think this is one where the NFL, the rule book, is kind of behind the times. Like, right. they don't think, they don't take credit or give account for how athletic dudes are and how they can make a catch – and still, before they hit the ground, make a move with their body, have enough body control to get that ball over the end zone line. No, I know, but once, once, I thought it was a catch, like, and in the spirit of the <laughs> right, rule, I think was, it was a catch I, too, but he didn't bring it through the right, ground, and it hit the ground and it bobbled. Yes. So if you're going by letter of the law, like I, 
Do you think they should change the rule? Because that's what no. everybody now is saying. They should change the rule. This is no, the worst rule. No, you can't. In all. You can't because it opens up Pandora's box. Like what? All the ones that actually hit the ground and wind up rolling around in someone's arms, and it's clearly not a catch. Right. You're just going to leave that up to the subjectivity of the referee on the field. Like I don't. That's a that's a slippery slope. Once you do that, like it's got to be a letter of the law um, uh, rule and. Yeah, we might not like it, but it is what it is. You said it before. Rules are rules. If you don't have them, you got chaos out there. So the the rule, the, the item one, player going to the ground. A player is considered to be going to the ground if he does not remain upright long enough to demonstrate that he's clearly a runner. That was Jesse James. He was not upright long enough to. He was still in the process of falling down as he was securing the football. And then it talks about the ball touching the ground. Ball, item four. If the ball touches the ground after the player secures control of it, it is a catch, provided that the player continues to maintain control. The ball clearly was knocked loose. Here's the thing I've heard everybody say. At every level of football, that's a touchdown. And they're talking about little league football. They're talking no, about high not. school football. <laughs> it might be because they don't have replay in super slow motion. Yeah. You true. know what I'm no, saying? Like, true. True, So, true. yeah, yeah, it might be at those levels because they don't have replay. Because they don't have the benefit yeah. of the replay. I'm going to go back again. Like Jesse James, bro. I, I feel you. You got to try to make that play, right? But if you don't, you're not down until there's contact in the NFL. Right. You could literally fall on your back and do a little barrel roll into the end zone, and it's a touchdown. Hey, can I say one more thing? Yeah. Gronk's a damn beast. Oh, he's unstoppable. Look, How you can know, you go man to man coverage on them uh, in that scenario? Well, or, Tony Romo. Tony Romo hit it. I mean, he's going to shred your zone. He's averaging over 115 against the zone. Like, I, what, what do you do? Like, to maybe him? there is no answer. You double him is what you do. I hate that. There dude, was a he's bunch, a monster. and there's a bunch where the safety's playing the free safety in the middle of the field, and they're trying to go man to man across. And then you have to, if you're the free safety, you have to be aware of Gronk is like you cheat to that side. Right now, I guarantee you, Brady's using his eyes to look him off and try to keep him off but you just have to look at Gronk it's all right I'm gonna go wherever he is that's I, he I am with you I there I don't think we've seen like this year we've seen Antonio Brown go off and kind of take over games but that was that was one where it's just like a it's like little leaguers trying, like peewee footballs trying to cover him he looked those are NFL guys trying to cover him it's like basketball you know when you got a really hot shooter like Steph Curry let's say right mm -hmm. and you're playing a zone like, the most infuriating thing in the world for me is not knowing where the shooter is. How do you not know that that guy's already hit seven threes and you're going to keep leaving him open? That's what I kept saying yesterday. Like, how the hell is he, the biggest thing running up and down the field, still wide open? How is he, how are you missing him? Right. And the thing is, though, he was kind of covered a lot of times. Like, there's a guy running in his pocket, but he's so big Dude. and physical, he just kind of elbows you. And it's like throwing into a center down low. Like, you just throw it up there, lob it to him, and he just sucks it in. Bro, those, those big, those big boy catches, right? I call those big boy catches. Like, a lot of basketball players, I think, are, are made to play like tight end and receiver. Like, those big boy, you know, shielding somebody with your body, boxing him out, go up high and get it. But the one that he caught going across the field, and he came back for yes, it. Yes, low. Low, barely, yeah. like one inch off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And to have that type of body control at 6'6", six, six, you know, 280, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, do we have the sound of Ben Roethlisberger after the game? Because he mentioned it. He said it was a roller coaster. But the other thing I thought was screwed up. Do you have it? Let me hear that real quick. What a roller coaster, huh? Um, have that play and, and feel like you score and, and you're excited for it. And then have to come back and it's not a touchdown. It's uh it's a game of emotion. Oh, is that why you threw? Is that why you threw it into into double coverage and across the middle of the field instead of throwing it away? All right, roller coaster. I'm glad you brought that up because he kind of blamed his coaches on that one. Here's what he was talking about: the fake spike. It wasn't a fake spike. It was I was I was yelling clock it because um, I felt like that was the the thing to do was clock it and get yourself one play. 
Um, and it came from the sideline, don't clock it, don't clock it. Well, at that time, I'm already got, got everyone thinks it's clocked, so you don't have time to try and get everyone lined up. So it's, um, you know, I tried to, Eli saw that, you know, he kind of ran a quick slant in there, and uh, at that time, you just got to try and make a play, and probably didn't make a good enough throw. Why do you have to try to make a play? Please. Was it fourth down? Preach. <laughs> was it first? No, it was not. <laughs> everybody in the, everybody, as soon as you're, I mean, when you're playing quarterback in that situation, especially if he's over in the middle of the field, like just chuck it out of the back of the end zone, throw it in the second row and line them up again. Because if you didn't clock it, essentially it becomes a clock play then. And right. then you spike it and you get to live another down. And then you get to draw something up instead of some broken down play as he was talking about saying nobody kind of knew what it was because he, he was telling them to clock it. Yeah. Throw it away. Throw it out of the back of the end zone. I, I do. I, I wish I had something else to say. Because everybody's that. crucifying the coaches saying, well, what kind of call was there that? There were 18 what? seconds left in the game. It wasn't <laughs> like you were seven seconds and you were risking not getting the kickoff. Right. Like this is a free look at it. And, yeah, there might have been some confusion. But even the broadcast team was yelling, don't clock it, don't clock it, don't clock it. Right. Because there's enough time. You don't right. want to waste it down there. You could literally, you could have gotten three shots at the end zone. Instead, you took the first one and wasted it Jesus. on that one. Do you think these two teams, do you think this is our AFC matchup for the AFC yeah, championship game? Yeah, I do. I do. They're, they're, they're the class. I mean, the Jags, the Jags for me are a sneaky, sneaky team. Obviously, the defense is raw. Um, the, the running game is on point. Blake Bortles is always a wild card. This will be his first time in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like there's something to be said sometimes for you, like your first time around the block in the playoffs. But so I would give them a shot. But these are these two teams are the class at AFC. I'm with you. All right, next up. All right, we learned that the touchback rule might be worse than the catch rule in the Cowboys Raiders game. Carr under pressure avoids the sack and he's going to try to run it in. Oh, does he lose the ball? Yeah, did he lose the ball? Does it go out of the end zone? Does he lose the ball? The Cowboys are signaling for a touchback. All right, so that was Derek Carr. End of the game, 33 seconds left. They're trying to come from behind. They're down three points. All you need is a field goal to take it to overtime. He stretches it, tries to get in the end zone, and as he's lunging for the pylon, which all you have to do is touch that pylon, he loses the ball. It goes out of the back of the end zone. Another controversial rule. The, the, the story of the NFL yesterday was rules, bad rules that fans hate. Yeah. It goes out the back of the end zone. You flip possession. The other team gets it on the 20 coming out. Game over. Cowboys win. It really sucks that that's what we're talking about because there were some good games. Like those, those were, you know, down to the wire, good games, some good matchups. Um, what was the situation? Because I didn't see that one. It was a little too late. It was past my bedtime. Um, what, what, third down? Third oh, and three. Third and three. Third and three. All right. So last About opportunity. Thirty seconds to get it. remaining. You're going out of bounds anyway. So the timeout situation is not even. I mean, I guess you got to stretch for that. You, you, I mean, but you know, don't you? But you have say, to make sure you don't lose the football. That, that's what I was going to oh, yeah. say because you always say at the end of the day, a quarterback is a game manager. Like your yes. job is to secure things and make sure that opportunities are still on the table while maximizing what you might get um, on top of that. But you've got one in the pocket with the with the field goal. I. It's really tough. tough. This is one where you, I have no problem. I actually like the fact that he's putting his body out there. He's doing the Superman stretch. He's trying to get it there. He was really short, though. Yeah. I don't know if he's he would have gotten yard it there. Short. Yeah, if he would have gotten it. But I feel like this is equivalent to a coach going forward on fourth down. Right. If you get it, everybody in the stadium loves you. Like, great call. If you don't, it's a bad call. Like, it's great to be hindsight sitting here, you know, in our on our couches, our armchair quarterback sure. saying, oh, he's got to go out there. Ultimately, yeah, should he have known the situation, said, yeah, we can get a field goal here. But I have no problem with players trying to make a play and get the win. Two hands. 
Yeah. Just two hands. I mean, it makes it exponentially harder because you're you're running full speed to the right. Yeah. But dude, I don't, don't think don't people lose that ball, bro. <laughs> I don't think people appreciate or have any clue how slippery NFL footballs can be. Yeah. Like it's the worst. That because and this is actually where the deflate gate kind of started because there was a rule and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were at the forefront of it. They were like, we need to have the footballs a certain way. We like them. It's going to make us throw the football better. This was after I played. Right. Cause it used to be, you'd just get a batch of brand new footballs. They were broken in Ugh. a little bit and they had like this film on them. Yes. That's but they the worst. still can, if you don't get them broken in properly, this is why every quarterback's best friend on the entire team should be the ball boy. Like the guy, the, not the, the equipment manager, right? but this is essentially right. a goal. Right. But that's where he has to have the footballs the way you like them. And that's why I think Derek Carr, the ball just just slipped out of his hand. It happens. That's ugly. Let me ask you a question. This is completely got nothing yeah. to do with the NFL. Um, how long does it take to break into football? Because I had to break in a few this year for my son. Yeah. And it is the most boring. Like, <laughs> yes. it, I mean, it's ridiculous. It takes a good. It, well, here's the thing. Break them in during practice. Like, right. you have to practice with so them you for get a probably a solid with... week. Yeah, you can. Now you can. Before, when they changed the rule. You couldn't. Like, you would just get these brand-new footballs. Game day. And they were supposed to, like, you'd have your guys scrub them a little bit. They had a little brush. Right. And you might put them through the dryer, which would help a little bit. But there's a film on them of that's course. very slippery. Yeah, and, that, that orange stuff, And right? worse, they had to blow them up to 13 pounds of PSI. That's like and a they're rock. like It is like a rock. And then you combine that with how um, how pumped up, how slick they are. They were like, they're like trying, and they wouldn't get comfortable until about the second quarter. And that, that was sucks. if you were playing on grass. If you were playing on turf and the old turf back in the days, not field turf, yeah. it would take forever. Like I used to complain about them, and it like they were like, huh? Like no one would do anything why for they, me because I was to, a, like a second year guy. Nobody cared. And why do like, they have to change does. balls? Why do you have to? Like NBA, we practice with like we get you a set of balls. Ones? You got like twenty balls for the year. And then, like, you warm up with them, you do your thing with them, and then you pick the best one yeah. when, when it's time to jump. Like, why do you have to change balls every week? No idea. I don't know. Maybe okay. that's the thing. That's a new rule we need to get into the NFL. Pick the best ball before the game and use it the whole game. <laughs> like, like, why what? do you need 18 balls rolling know. through there, too? They give Rosa them again. Yes, Rosa's got some great <laughs> rules. He's ready to fix them all. Ultimately, I think the Cowboys, they've won three in a row. Our boy Dak Prescott struggled somewhat. He had two picks on the day. He did have a rushing touchdown. I think he's been... Not exposed because I still feel he's the future of this franchise, but I think the loss of Ezekiel Elliott is clearly holding them back. So Jerry Jones came out last week and made a made a statement that even though it hasn't been the best thing for the for the for the Cowboys in terms of wins and losses, it's been the best thing for their quarterback position. And he thinks Dak is going to come out on the other side a better quarterback. And he said he already was yeah. because of it. You're saying you don't see that necessarily. No, I, say, I, I don't know that I see it either. I say I agree with him in the long run yeah. because every quarterback, look at last year, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, both struggled because they had to put the team on their back. They didn't have the luxury of a run game. Right. Now they do have a run game, and they're ready to take over games and win games for you. Um, and I think that's where Dak never was asked to win games his rookie year. He was always a, a game manager in the truest sense of the word. Now he's been asked to be a game winner and kind of a difference maker, and that's where he's been exposed. But he's cutting his teeth. He's making these mistakes, and right. ultimately I think he will be better because he's learning how to do that. So you're saying mentally 
He, yeah. he's making, he just hasn't translated into in game yet, but yeah. he's growing in the, in the process. Exactly. So he's, the, the Cowboys won three in a row. They're three and three without Zeke. Yeah. I don't think they're a legit contender in the NFC either. They're trying to squeeze in and make the playoffs. They got a key matchup with the Eagles last game of the year that it depends on what the Eagles scenario is, if they have a buy or not. Yeah. Uh, if they've clinched that, whether they play, I think that'll matter. But even if the Cowboys sneak in, I just, even with Zeke back, I just don't know if they've got it. Just, I mean, maybe we're just being naive and stupid for saying, "Hey, we think chalk wins out." Because if we're both saying, uh, if we're both saying Patriots, Steelers, and the AFC, and I probably think it's going to be Eagles, Rams, and the NFC, yep. chalk wins out. But you know what? It just looks like one of those years where it actually might, but it never does. So right. maybe we're just being foolish to say that. All right. Next up, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is human, <laughs> and he was right because he wasn't there to save the Packers season. Rodgers steps through, throws, Cobb, room to run, Randall Cobb cuts back, what a run, touchdown, Rodgers down the middle, pitch, intercepted by Colin Jones, second interception by Rodgers in the game. So he struggled, clearly, he showed glimpses of the old Aaron Rodgers, but to me, the thing that really jumped out was on two of his interceptions, they were underthrown. And that, to me, is a sign of he's still getting his strength back. He's still getting his feel back. Kind of a perception issue because he's one of the most precise passers we've ever seen. Right. He talked about a little bit of his struggles today. I felt pretty good. I just missed some throws. You know, I missed uh, missed some ones he used to hit and under threw uh, Randall for a pick. I uh, was trying to throw it away to Tay. got picked. Uh, threw the ball in the dirt to uh, Geronimo in the red zone. Just uncharacteristic plays and just disappointed in my performance today. Obviously, didn't play very well. So, I to me, when he says I missed a couple of plays I used to make, and he's a hundred percent right. That's him just getting his feel back. Like getting, it's like a putter in golf. Like you lose control of the speed of the green. Sure. You have to get that feel back. I think that's where he's a little rusty, and I thought it showed. Yep, it's the same as shooting a basketball in the NBA. I mean, you, you, and it's, you can come back and shoot in a gym with nobody in it, a net up, you know, the shot dock machine, and you. You know, you can shoot your normal percentage. You know, you shoot 70% from the three-point line. But when you're running up and down and you get a little fatigue, your heart rate's elevated, um, adrenaline's pumping, there's a timing that goes along with that, and you can't simulate it. Like, the only thing that prepares you to do it is to do it. And so, um, you know, I'm sure he looked great in practice. I'm sure he felt great and everything. But, you know, until you're back out there going, you know, full speed, 100%, uh, you know, with defensive linemen breathing down your neck and stuff, you're not going to get that timing. So, you know, for anybody that thought he was going to come back and look like, you know, MVP Aaron Rodgers, you probably were just dreaming a little bit. Like I, <laughs> anyone who's played a sport knew that it wasn't going to be just a seamless transition back into Aaron Rodgers. What would you do now if you're the Packers? Because they're seven and seven, they're not eliminated officially, right, Debo? They're but they're kind of eliminated. Are they mathematically? Mathematically, no. But they're kind of mm, done. Yes. And they've got, they've got two pretty tough games. They got the Vikings again. That was yeah. what I was concerned about them. Two top five defenses, the Panthers and Vikings. Then they have to travel on the road against the Lions. Do you keep rolling the dice with them? The Lions would be fighting for a playoff spot at that point too if they've won. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, how do you not? I know. But you, I, can't, I, you can't bench him. <laughs> well, but you could say, you could make up some. You could say, hey, nah. he needs to rest his nah. shoulder. Because uh-huh. I, I agree with you because it sends a message to the whole team that, yeah. hey, if he, why is he not having to play? But it's been talked about by a lot of people saying you should shut him down. I'm with you. And I thought he took he took a few hits. And every time 
I, I like because I always see the quarterback and the 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 TV copy always follows the football. And there were a couple times when I noticed, I'm like, oh, he just got wrecked on that one. Is he going to get up? Right. And immediately, every time the TV cameras after it was over, they went right back to Aaron Rodgers. And I was holding my breath. I'm sure everybody in the Packers was. He got up every time. Like yeah. I thought he showed. He is a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think they would have risked that coming back. Yeah, he, if he's a hundred percent, you you play him. I mean, look. Otherwise, you should have just let Brett Hundley roll. Right. Like he was he was getting better. Right. You know, like if you're going to bring him back for that game, I don't know why you would start sitting him now. So the story of the game kind of was Aaron Rodgers' performance, but I think what went under the radar is Cam Newton's performance yep. because my man was balling, sneaky good. And here's the thing: this is so frustrating for me because he is so good at times. And he can make these throws. And he was throwing some darts, like just BBs. It was coming out of his hands. He had four touchdowns on the day. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's found, you know, found the way in there with him, run, uh, catching the touchdown for him. He's found kind of a target to go to. I think this team is really dangerous in the playoffs. Um, I, I do too, because they defend, they run the ball. Um, I, I mean, I guess I'm not as well versed in football strategy, but I don't understand why there's such a discrepancy between the amount of times he throws the ball. And I know he's not an upper tier passing quarterback. Like he's not, uh, Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers and Breeze and, and, but, but like he threw the ball 31 times yesterday. Like mm-hmm. that's a high number for him. That's, that's almost like double digits more than he threw it last week. I don't understand why there can't be some consistency because I was a believer in, like when I played, I like to know in and about how many shots I was going to get mm-hmm. in a game. And I kind of like to know where they were coming from, you know. And you can't script every shot, but you'd get a general feel and a, and a, and a level of comfortability with what you're going to do. And so maybe, would that help him at all as a QB? And just having, just knowing that these are some of the throws that I'm going to be making week to week. I'm going to get five of these throws probably, you know. Bottom line, unless a defense is, is doing this. So last week he was 13 to 25 against the Vikings. That was right. the game we're talking about. I think 30 is probably his sweet spot. Okay. Cause I don't think you want him throwing it 52 times like they did against Philly. That was a game they lost. That's way too, that's too much reliance on Cam Newton as a passer. Okay. I think 30 to 35 is the sweet spot for him, but I don't think they go in game planning that. I think sometimes you're just either you're running the fall, ball better or Cam Newton is running the ball better. Right. Or defenses are, are you take what and they give you. And here's the thing, like with Cam, if you get held to thir- 25 attempts, I feel like that's a game where the defense is probably holding them and where he can scramble around and make plays. Probably five of those were just scrambles that he gets out. Right. Would have, if he was they were you know, Tom Brady, they would have been attempts. I but that's it. the luxury of having Cam Newton in there for you is that you can do that and you can not have to throw it. Um, a huge thing for him, too, I think, is having Greg Olson back because he's one of the better tight ends in the league. He hit him nine times for 115 in the game. How old is that, Greg Olson now? He feels like he's been there forever. Uh, former Hurricane. He's a good dude. He actually did some broadcasting in the game. How old is, uh, 32? Uh, yeah, so that's like ancient. He's a bad uh, boy too, though. You know what? Speaking of getting old, Jason Witten is starting to look really old to me. <laughs> like when he's out there and he's like, still producing. Old. Yeah, but like he kind of looks like he needs to hit the hot tub before the game just to make sure he gets the joints <laughs> loosened up. Um, but they're still going, man. More power to him. Uh, you know what else we learned? We learned <laughs> that the Rams are legit. The truth. And the Seahawks are mortal at home in December. Got past time. They get it out of the backfield. Gurley's going to walk in. Todd Gurley has his fourth touchdown today. Beatdown game by the Rams going into the link and just absolutely dominating from start to finish. That's a statement game. That's one of those where you circle that on the calendar. You know, you're trying to prove a message to the league. 
um, to somebody in the conference. Like that, that, that had statement written all over. And what it said to me was, um, not only are the Rams for real on a lot of fronts, but, uh, it's, you're not, what they're doing to Russell Wilson out there is criminal. Like that, that, having to put that much of an offense is like, like the responsibility for whether you score a touchdown on, on, a, on a quarterback. Um, I don't care who it is, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, anybody. That's too much. Get the man a running game. Get him some weapons. He shouldn't have to be if Russell doesn't play well. We have absolutely no shot at it. I'm with you. It is. They have they have continued to – it's sort of like the Colts did with Andrew Luck, and they didn't give him enough talent. They had a bad offensive line. And look at how much it's hurt him career. The Seahawks are lucky that Russell Wilson hasn't had a serious injury the way Andrew Luck has because you can't continually rely on him. Uh, but I'm with you. This was a total statement game for the Rams. I think people were watching this team, and they saw them get beat by the Falcons the week before, and you're sitting there thinking, uh-oh. Or excuse me, they lost to the uh, – the it was the Falcons. Falcons, was Eagles. It, who, who, who beat them the week before? <laughs> who beat the Rams the week before? The Eagles. The Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles had just yeah. beaten them. I'm sorry. I said the Falcons. Um, They had just beaten them the week before, so that was like a key NFC matchup. And every time, until you earn it, until you've been to the playoffs, until you've been to made a deep run – Teams are always going to say, uh-oh, are these pretenders? Are they, are they, are they for real or not? Right. And for them to go on the road in Seattle and handle their business the way they did was a statement win for them. So I think they're absolutely legit. I have concerns about the Seahawks. I have for a while since Pete Carroll lost the second Super Bowl, since he lost the one with Russell Wilson's interception on the last play. I feel like Pete Carroll's whole philosophy is blowing up in his face because he's always been a guy who has preached individualism in a team sport. Like, hey, we can have big personalities. We can have guys who are outspoken. He lets the players have a lot of power. And that's when it, that's, and when you, it can work at times, but once you face adversity, yeah. that's what it can blow up in your face. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, uh, you know, Mike D'Antoni was a guy who didn't rule with an iron fist. And I always said to people like in my inner circle and they asked me about it, you know, I said stuff that works as long as you have conscientious good dudes especially at the top. Um, but if you get a couple guys that are that are bad seeds or just have a an agenda that's contrary to what everyone else is, is that could be a really like slippery slope and it could cause some dissension in the locker room. I I, I don't know because I don't know Pete Carroll's style like that, but they have some issues with some of the stuff going on last night. I think, you know, what was the dude's name, Earl, Earl Thomas? Yeah, and, so uh, Earl Thomas, who's been hurt throughout the year. You got some sound on it? So he was he was um after the game Bobby Wagner played through an injury. They obviously struggled on defense giving right. 42 points. So Earl Thomas was talking about his teammate Bobby Wagner playing and here's what he had to say. To be totally honest, I think the guys that play, you know, you got to give your hats, hats off to, you know, Wags and you know, a couple of guys that played, but you know, my my personal opinion, I think all they should have played, you know, the backups would have did, you know, just as just as good. So after the game, here's what happened. So Bobby Wagner, after the game, comes out, sees that on Twitter, copies it, and tweets, E, Earl Thomas, keep my name out your mouth and stop being jealous of other people's success. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay. Like, the sound, not terrible at first. Like, you could just be saying, like, look, it may not have been worth it for my buddy to go out there and play. Like, I would have hoped that – you know, he would have protected himself. But then you go on to say that you thought the backups would have done just as good, which is throwing me under the bus saying that, like, a backup can do what I do, which becomes personal. And when any, whenever, whenever, like, listen, for, for all of the white folks that are listening, 
right? When when black folks say keep my name out your mouth, yeah, it's real. Like this is not a joke anymore. This is real talk. This isn't like hey, you know, this isn't like yo, dog, stop. This is keep my name out your mouth. That means we have some beef. So there is some beef there. Is that now? This is white guy question. Is yeah. that equivalent to the black lady when she gives you a little snap in the neck? Neck. Uh, like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Describe that. What is that called? No, that's getting a little. That she's getting fired up, maybe at that yeah, point. Yeah. But once somebody says, "Yo, dog, keep my name out your mouth," right? That's I'm ready. That for was you. LeBron's silencer to uh, your boy Levar Ball, right? Yeah, like that was when he said, "Keep my name." Like out Like this your thing mouth. will go down if right, I see you. It's right. on site. So you better right. silence it. Right. I think it probably played out. I think Bobby Wagner went back, fired up his Twitter, saw the link to the article, and saw the quote, and got ticked off. And then I think when he listened to it, I don't think the sound, the sound was wasn't bad. that bad. It wasn't. And I think what Earl Thomas sounded like he was saying is I give credit to Wagner for trying to play through injury, but he clearly wasn't his usual self. Right. And maybe he's in the huddle with him. Like it, Wagner might have been dragging some. And he no. said, hey, we got backups for that. Take time off and get back to health. Well, you know what's interesting? Like I had a situation. Now I think it's worse from the tweet because now it gets awkward. Yeah, it's really awkward. Once you say keep my name <laughs> yeah. out your mouth, God, yeah. I cannot tell you how, how when somebody tells you that, bro, yeah. keep your name out of his mouth. Um, but so I was injured in 07, maybe playoffs. I had torn a calf muscle, uh, in game one of the Eastern, of the Western Conference finals against Dallas. And I had no business out there playing. Like I went to a, you know, but we were so undermanned and so shorthanded that we just didn't, we didn't have the bodies to go out there. So I played, I had, um, what do you call it? Acupuncture. Uh -huh. So they completely shut down like my left side. I could not feel my calf. It wouldn't work, but I couldn't feel it. So I drug it around like game three, um, and my teammates knew I was terrible. And like Charles Barkley, I think Magic Johnson and those guys questioned whether I should be out there at halftime. And I was highly offended because I was out there trying to do what I could do for this team. Now I wasn't going to do my normal. I wasn't going to be out there shooting the ball, to, you know, seventeen times and and doing that kind of stuff. But I was giving what I had for the cause, and so I took some offense to that. My teammates were great about it. Like they knew I was out there and I was trying to be a warrior for them and. And, um, you know, I played whatever minutes I could. I gave them very, you know, it was an emotional lift, I think, more than so than it was my physical presence. Um, so that's a tough situation. You know, Bobby Wagner's looking at them like we, we are beat down to the bone. We've lost, I don't know how many players they've lost defensively from their starting group. Maybe he was just trying to be out there as an emotional, like, leader and, and, and uplifter. That's on Pete Carroll and his staff to monitor how he's playing and get him in and out of the game if he can't hold his weight. The lesson I learned from this one is, you don't talk about other players in any negative fashion. Yeah. Like if you have a question about somebody's play, you just don't do it. Right. Like as a, you would never rip your offensive line. Right. I would never rip a wide receiver for drops. You just don't say that. You you always try to lift up your teammates in that situation. I don't think you. Should, I think you just stay away from criticizing your teammates unless you do it in meetings to their face. Sure. Otherwise, I wouldn't mess with them. Uh, Antonio Brown tore his calf muscle. He's supposed to be back for the for the playoffs. Do you, you experience this injury? Like, is this um, how many weeks until the playoffs? Three weeks. My my calf because I didn't rest it and I just went right back. Like I rested it for three days and then rehab. I mean, and then you know started playing again. So I just completely I like shredded it up. Um, it took me all summer. Like I came back to training camp still having lingering effects from a torn really? calf. Really? Yeah. So I, I it, at, at the receiver position, that I wouldn't count. Twitch on. depends on the degree of tear. I mean, because there's a there's a there's a you know, a tear and then there's a, like a, a strained ligament. So if it's a, if it's a degree one strain, maybe, but, uh, all that fast twitch stuff, if he, if he tore it bad, nah, he ain't gonna be back. 
All right, last thing we learned. We learned that the Eagles' biggest worry might not be Nick Foles, but their defense. Nicky Foles. And now looking to the corner of the end zone to Aguilar, and that's a touchdown, Philadelphia. Four touchdowns for Nick Foles, and this is his first start of the year. I don't know. There's not a ton to talk about that game. I mean, Nick Foles played all right. I think their defense was probably overlooking the Giants, saying, hey, G-men are awful this year. They're atrocious. I think you still saw Eli Manning have a little bit of life. I thought that was good news for the Giants. They were showing some fight. Ultimately, I don't think we learned very much about this game, to be honest with you. Shame on, <laughs> like, shame on you, Eagles. <laughs> exactly. Eli, but, 434. Yeah, but stop. you know what? They still won. So nah, that's yeah, all that matters. I, I got no beef. And you know what it might have meant, though? Eli, Eli might have just shown someone for next year. Someone that's going to lose in the in the playoffs. I'm not going to name any names. That has a dope defense and might be looking for a quarterback that still's got a little bit of juice. Maybe he just showed him that he's uh, he's <laughs> yeah, viable exactly. for next season. So that did give the Eagles the first round bye. So that could come into play on that last game against the Cowboys if they first don't round bye. They're still fighting for home field advantage. Ah, the so that's the one. That's the one for me that comes out of that Cowboys game, the last game of the year. All right, let's do it. New segment. Debo came up with the best of the weekend. What's up? What's first up? We got Teddy Bridgewater making his return to the field. Obviously, that devastating injury last August in preseason where players were rumored to be crying on the practice field because yeah, of how nasty brutal. it was. So for the first time since 2015. And that's going to do it for Case Keenum. Teddy Bridgewater is back. That's tremendous reception. The way Bridgewater has gone through to get to this moment. Just a deafening reaction. He had to put his hands up to his helmet because he <laughs> couldn't that. hear the play call. Promptly throws an interception, but we're not going to talk about that. Ah, <laughs> oh, Teddy B. Yeah, that was cool, man. You like you? You're always cheering for a guy to come back from injury. That's awkward, though. Like that situation is just awkward. I wonder. It's, it's got to be. I'm with you because he's a starter in the NFL, right? And yet. Not now. He's a backup, and he's watching Case Keenum go out there. So I'm sure there's some conflicted emotions. Jacksonville. And having to go out if you're the starter and go, like, get mop-up duty. Yeah. I get you want the ovation. You got that out of the way. I'm good. <laughs> right? I don't want that. it. I'm take, cool. Say, right? You don't need that ovation. That's what you would have said. I'm cool. I'll I'm wave like, at the fans from the sideline. Right? I'm good. Exactly. You know what, though? It is a great story. It's good to see him back. And uh, I'm sure he'll get his opportunity to start. And who knows where it'll be. Yeah. All right. Next so, up. Teddy gave some motivation to his teammates, and so did Ryan Shazier. We remember just two weeks ago that really ugly and, and scary injury he suffered. Just last week, he went through spinal stabilization surgery, but he was shown on the Jumbotron at Heinz Field right before the game started. And again, the players, the Steelers players didn't really know. They, they said there was rumors of it. They see Shazier and just go nuts. The crowd goes nuts. Obviously, weren't able to pull off the win. These are both bummer stories. Yeah, in the dude, end. I was gonna like, say. I should have just stopped at one point. Exactly, because Shazier there was cool. He had the terrible towel. He was waving it. Anytime you see a player like that, who we've all been like, and you and I have talked about this. What's going on? Everybody's been speculating about yeah. his health. Is he going to walk again? I think it has to be a good sign that he's out in public, that he's at a game. Yeah. You saw his extremities moving. I don't know what's going on still, but it has to be good news. I would hope, man. It, I, it's just a really, really cool thing to see him back. And, I mean, this is purely speculation, but, like, I was sitting there trying to wonder if if you were, you know, in a, in a, in a spinal situation like that, if you were risking still, like, not being able to move your lower extremities, would they let you out of the hospital and allow you to go to a game and be moving like that? So, I mean, look, I, I'm praying – that that all of that leads to signs he'll be he'll be better, but 
Um, I don't know. I'm just speculating. But it was really good to see him out there. That was kind of dope. No doubt about it. Last one. So how did you guys normally feel when you lost a game? Would you go out there, dap them up midcourt, midfield? Depended on what kind of game it was, when it was in the season. Sometimes. All right. So this, this was an AFC West division battle potentially for a playoff spot on Saturday night. So the Chiefs beat the Chargers and defensive stalwarts on both teams, Tamba Ali and Joey Bosa, met at midfield. And they didn't just do that normal shake. They didn't do the dap, the hug, the picture, the trade jerseys. They exchanged defensive swim moves and, and, and <laughs> pass rushing moves. Tamba Ali, the 12-year veteran, was teaching the two-year vet Bosa moves for about 30 seconds. It's a really cool video you can check out on our Twitter page at Canel and Bell. But, Danny, what do you have on this? Am I the only one who doesn't like this? Everybody, the NFL's tweeted out. They're like sportsmanship. Everybody's yeah. like respect. Everybody's like, oh, veterans. They're not on the same team. Like there is an off-season for this stuff to take True. place. You guys can train together all you want in January, February, March. Do it in the off-season. After the game, I did not like it. And now you know who I would really not like it? Oh. If I'm either quarterback, because you're basically teaching this guy how to kill the other quarterback, how, to get, at how to get to him. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Save that. Save, do that in the locker. Do it in the anywhere, tunnel after the game. Anywhere. It almost felt like scripted, a little photo op. A little scripted. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. some of these guys. And I just, I can't believe people get suckered into it. And they're like, oh, we love this. We love this. You look. know what's overrated? <laughs> what? Sportsmanship. <laughs> It's overrated, bro. We're out there. This is a job, man. I'm trying. Like, come on, man. It's you eat or I eat. There's no sportsmanship in that. Exactly. Like at, in nine and ten year old sports, all right. But like when I'm, I'm, these are millions of dollars at stake. There's no damn sportsmanship. Right now, I guess they did share the same defensive line coach, Larry Johnson. He yeah. was at Penn State with Tom Bali, and he was Penn like, State versus Ohio State. Right. Exactly. Another rivalry. Again, these dudes and a lot of guys do train together. And you know, if, if it was at the Pro Bowl, if you're at Hawaii, like I'll I'll go for it. Right. But after a regular season game, <laughs> it just seemed odd to me. I didn't love it. All right, I want to throw one in here, a worst of the weekend, because this was news that came out late last night, yesterday afternoon. We've seen a lot of the sexual um, misconduct. You know, it's hit Hollywood. It's yes. hit the broadcasting community. Now it's at the NFL community. As Jerry Richardson, it's come out that he had several cases where he had settlements uh, from employees accusing him of sexual misconduct at work. So he comes out with a statement. And I think this is because he doesn't want to hear any of this get out in the public. Right. He says, I'm going to sell the Panthers. Just so like he's going to put them up for sale as soon as the season is over, which is kind of like, all right, so you're going to sell this team? Like, if you were really that upset, maybe you sell them right now. Right. He's like, no, I'm going to hold out and see, see if we, we make win a the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl run, <laughs> and then he's going to sell them. Um, I don't – I think he's actually going to, in the long run, in 20 years, I think – and this is – I think this is being portrayed as – Oh, he's, this is really bad for Jerry Richardson because it is. It's a bad look. I think in the long run, I think this is going to actually benefit him, which is really messed up because I think what he did was wrong. I think he's a bad dude. If you read some of the stuff that comes out of there, I think he was kind of a creepy old man that was right. weird to women and the racial slurs that were there. Like it just seems like some old Southern dude who's like, you know, living in the sixties. Right. And he's, and it's looked at as, oh, he's going to be forced to sell the team. I think he's actually going to sell the team at an all-time high. Forgive my stereotyping of Jerry Richardson, right? But he doesn't appear to be the type of dude who, when you when you like complain about him, that he just tucktails and, and runs. Like he doesn't he doesn't seem to be the dude who just goes away. You know what I mean? So then my question becomes, like, did he just like is it that bad where he was like, look, I'm going to get the hell out of here, or did somebody say to him, hey, listen, bro, we've been telling you about this for a long time. 
all right, it's finally, you got to sell. Like, is this his decision, or did somebody from above old Jer come in and say, hey, buddy, look, I don't know, you got to Is there anything go. above him? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe family. The owner? You know, he has a statue in front of the stadium. You know, maybe he's got younger, like, grandchildren who are actually operating the Panthers and, and, the, and, the, and the business now. Maybe he's still, like, a figurehead. I don't know. He once but, forced one of his sons to resign from the Panthers. Oh, so he's still running that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, old So it's got to be awful, then, if he just – Well, that's Either that or he was going to sell it anyway, man. There's no way this – Dude, just all of a sudden after after some allegations because this is fairly recent, right? Like, this yeah, is within I mean, the, it just the the bombshell story just came out yesterday morning, nah, maybe. He don't strike and me then as he's the type selling them in nah, the afternoon. Uh-uh, nope, it's got to see. I wonder how bad some of these uh, settlements were because he's made four settlements. I think there were at least four that he's paid out settlements to people to keep so it's quiet. just got to be like I it's I wonder if it's a Donald Sterling type bad. Because that was a really bad look for the NBA. But he went down in shame. This one seems, because it happened so quick, because he's not even fighting it. Right. He might, I'm telling you, he's going to luck out in the long run. Because he's not going to get shamed the way he probably should. And he's going to sell the team for probably close to $2 billion. And he's going to bounce. And, it, and the, the value of the product, I think it's like selling a stock. And I think the NFL stock is probably in an all-time high, maybe even at a tipping point. Right. Where he's going to sell it at the right time. Like Do you did, see who wants to buy him? Did he? Yeah, let Diddy get that franchise. I'd love to see it. I'd any, love to see. Are him. there any black ownership groups no. in the NFL? So that's what that's what Diddy was like claiming. Say, hey, we don't have one. Let's get one, which okay. would be fantastic. Yeah, the NFL be desperately needs some diversity across ownership, across right. general managers, across the uh, coaches. So I'm sure the NFL would be with it. Yeah. I just wonder who Diddy can pull together and how much money can pull. Steph, Steph Curry, Curry said, "Yeah, sign me up." Which would be Steph could like. Stuff the NBA Charlotte. dudes are getting so much money. I know, that's crazy. You could pull in and say, I'll give you 50. I'll that, pitch in 50. 50. You know, <laughs> like that's like it's nothing and you 50. wouldn't even notice it. Got 50. I wonder, I mean, MJ's grand. right there, already owns a piece of the NBA franchise. You get him pulled in. Yeah. I, That'd be awesome. I, think I know really Shaq's cool. always wanted to own some stuff. Like he wanted to own NBA teams, but I, I bet you could, you could, you could get some resources together. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, what do we want to hit on next here, Debo? What do we want to move to? I don't know this guy. I might have said one word to this guy. I don't know this kid. Oh, you know, I think he uh, he overreacts to stuff. I mean, I don't know him. I don't feel about him. But we go out there, we play. When we play during the season, we play each other. That's it. I don't know this kid. I don't need to know this kid. I don't want to. And we go out there and we play the game and leave it at that. Maybe he wasn't hugged enough as a kid. Put some bass in your voice, bro. <laughs> like what? I mean, was that? Did you? Did you hide? <laughs> Did you pick up the like the tenor in his voice on that? That was or? off 2006 YouTube. <laughs> Put some bass in your voice, man. No, man. Hey, look, that, that's kind of look. Kobe was one of the best to ever do it. Um, and all the respect in the world for the way he approached the game, the way he competed, um, everything that he's accomplished. I think it's super cool that he's getting a, uh, um, you know, his 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 day. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. The Lakers will do it upright. So. Yeah, they're not going to mess around. This will be all the stars will come out. Yeah. It feels like it did when he had his last game. What did he drop, 62? Oh, yes. In his last game out there. Yeah. It feels it will be the same type of vibe. Uh, eight and 24 getting retired on Kobe Day. Which, which two one? Separate, you... Two separate jerseys or like. I don't know. That's what I don't know yet. He's going to get whatever he wants. He's going to get like eight 24ths on his jersey, like one third. <laughs> no, he's going to have two jerseys in the Raptors, right? It's going to be two. And nobody can wear either one going there. I don't know. I think I'm a two four. I mean, I think I'm a two four guy, and I know he was eight. Like eight was like the original, but two four was the Mamba, right? Yeah, I'm going two four. You're going two four. Yeah, I say give them both. What the heck? Yeah. Why, why not just do it? Uh, Steve Kerr had some interesting comments on it. 
it kind of goes back to the sportsmanship thing. What would you want to do? So he was asked, are you yeah. going to let your players watch it? And he was like, why wouldn't I? He's like, they're going to watch it at some point anyway. So they're actually going to take part in the festivities. I guess they'll sit there and watch on the bench. Yeah, I mean, look, for a Kobe, why not? Like most of those guys probably revered Kobe, grew up watching him. Like, the, and they're going to make a spectacle out of it. It's going to be a scene. So if you're if you got to be just sitting in the back <laughs> right. anyway, drinking coffee and waiting to go out, you might right. as well sit on the bench. Because they'd it. always pro- they'd probably be curious and kind of head out the tunnel and watch anyway. And here, here's the kicker: if if it was going to be a good game afterwards, like if I was really getting fired up to play a team that I thought could beat me, I'd stay in the back and get my mind right. But they're going to roll LA by forty, so it doesn't <laughs> yes. matter what they do. Right? Before it's the game. not exactly like it's a playoff right. atmosphere. It'll be a festive atmosphere, but not for that. Do you feel like Kobe gets overlooked in the MJ no. LeBron conversation? No. You would not put him in that category. No, I think not Col- in that stratosphere. No, I would. I would. Oh, you I certainly would. would. Uh, but I, w- I think Kobe's more like MJ. Then LeBron ever will be like MJ. They were very similar players in their approach, like mentally and what they really wanted to ultimately do on the court, which was win at any cost by the mean, like, and their means to do it was scoring the ball. Like LeBron wants to win at all costs, but that's not his number one vehicle to get there scoring. Like that's what Kobe and MJ wanted to do. That's how they would win you a game. LeBron, LeBron chooses to try to win it on a multiple you know, different levels of like score and rebound and, and, and passing. And, and so I think that Kobe is the closest thing we've ever seen to Mike. Now I, you can make the argument that LeBron in terms of a career and maybe the best player ever is closer to MJ than Kobe was, but Kobe is the closest thing we've ever seen to Mike. For sure. I totally agree with you because he had that killer instinct too. He didn't right. want to just beat you. He wanted to embarrass yeah, you. He's an and I don't think LeBron, like LeBron's not about that. He's about like the ambassador of the NBA. Yes, he is. He's about sportsmanship. I'm going to make the NBA better. And he has to his credit. He has, you know, all of these salaries that they're getting, it's because of LeBron. I think MJ and Kobe wanted to embarrass you. So the next time you played, you were scared. You didn't want any part of it. Absolutely. Kobe is, was a, did you ever? So you obviously had the famous incident with the clothesline. Was there? Bryant dance. Oh my gosh. Well, this clothesline Bryant. And we, we talked a little bit about that, like the posting. Happy. Oh, my gosh. You felt like he respected you more because of that. Right. Did you ever, like, conversate with him? Yeah. Like, outside? Like, yeah. would he, was he one of the guys that would would go out after a game? Yeah, no. Uh, he invited me out a couple times to dinner, like, um, in L.A. It, it never really worked out. One time I tore my wrist up really bad, and, and another time something else happened. But, I, you know, I'd shoot him texts and stuff like that around the holidays and, and vice versa. We had, we you know, we had a mutual respect level. We were never bestie besties. Right. You know, but we were cool. Like, you know, and, and um, you know, it, there was <laughs> there was this one time, like, I was I – was, he was just an interesting dude, man. Like, I was – we had just played. I think I was with the Bobcats, and I was in my locker. I was sitting down, you know, and – you know when someone's hovering over you, like the media's waiting, and you're, yeah. you know you're kind of putting your lotion on, and you're put you you know you're pulling your socks on and stuff like that. And most of the time, they'll go away and find somebody else to mess with until you're ready. But whoever this was just was not moving from like on top of me, and I could feel them. And so I looked up, and it was a dude looked like Men in Black, and he was just standing over there, standing over him. I think his name was Robert. He was Kobe's security, oh, and he was like, "Mr. Bell, I'm I'm Robert, uh, uh, Mr." I forget what he called him, uh, Kobe security. He, he would like to know if you'd like to grab dinner with him later tonight. And I said, I, I remember saying to myself, like, I just played 48 minutes against this dude. We've had multiple conversations. He could have just, like, he could have just said it to me out there, like, yo, dog, you want to grab a drink or something? I, like, it, it was just so, it was funny. That's the way he was wired. He, that's he, not he, as baller though as sending your did, guy bro. over to get him. He, like, that's pretty right, cool. I'll tell another quick story. I was in, I was in LA, uh, for the SBs one year. 
it, I forget what year it was. It's when I signed with the Jazz again. But I was a free agent, um, and I was like, look, I think I'm going to play for a little bit more than minimum. Like, but Miami offered me the minimum to play with LeBron and them, and you know, I don't have a lot of options at this point. So I, like, I was like, all right. So Kobe knew I was in town, and um, he was like, look, you want to come out and, and we'll grab a bite? We'll talk about it. Like, we, you know, we, we want you to come play in L.A. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm like down at the Lowe's or wherever, down, downtown or whatever. I was like, where, where do you live? Though? Like, I'll try to get out there. He was like, oh, don't worry. I'm, a, I'm on Malibu. I'll send a mamba chopper for you. I was like, excuse me? What, you send the what? He was like, yeah, the mamba chopper. That's my helicopter. I'll just send it to come get Come on. <laughs> Did you take him up on it? No, because. Oh, come on. No, you dude, didn't take him up well, on the mamba chopper? I didn't want to waste the fuel because within the next, like, two hours, I had an offer from, from Utah that was, like, three years, and I couldn't take the minimum deal. So, like, I probably should have just taken the helicopter ride because exactly. I've never been in one. Could have gone to dinner? Nah, you know? nah. I didn't, waste the, I didn't want to waste his time. Man. He would have hurt. I found this article on ESPN.com about that potential meeting, yeah. and there's, like, an asterisk to it. It says, not actually sure if he's going to take the helicopter. He might just drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. If he averaged 25 throughout his career, you were facing him. What was a successful night? Like, what was the goal to hold him to what? Was for, it a shooting percentage? Was for, it a point total? For me? Yeah, for stuff. For, if you're guarding Kobe. Dude, I've had nights. I don't know that he ever scored under 25 on me. Like, <laughs> honest to God. Like, I don't know. But my, my, the job was to keep him off of the free throw line, first and foremost, and then make him take tough contested shots without like and keep them off the free throw line. And so I felt like with that recipe, like the field goal percentage would be affected um, because he wouldn't get all the freebies at the line. So he'd have to take, you know, exponentially more shots to get his, to get his number. And then I also felt like getting under his skin, like physically and, and pushing and shoving kind of baited him into like, you know, like I was, I never considered myself a no damn Kobe stopper. Who the hell stops Kobe Bryant? Like that's ridiculous. But I felt like, that bothered him to hear so much that it became personal sometimes with he and I. And if I could get him baited into that, then my teams typically had a chance to win because he'd just be sometimes obsessed with just proving that he could score 50 points on me. <laughs> right. You know? But wasn't he the type of guy, though, that if he did kind of wake up and get into that zone, like that Mamba zone, that pissed off zone made him better? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but like at, at the expense of his team sometimes because nobody else could, could help him like when he was trying to get 50 on me, right? Everybody else kind of got iced out and um and I felt like like we had a chance to win, man. But that was like those were the days, man. I used to love going in there and getting booed and competing. He was a hey, Mamba's the, he's a bad man. Yes, he's he a is. bad man. Yep. That's really cool. I I can't believe you didn't get on the <laughs> chopper though. <laughs> Outstanding, man. That's the type of stuff we give you on Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. That's a wrap for our Monday show. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Hit us up. When you go there, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. In the review, ask us a question. We do our five-star Q&As every Wednesday. I don't know. We have Friday. Every Friday, we do our hashtag five-star Q&A. Uh, we're also on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere else there are podcasts. Make sure you go check us out. Give our boy Debo is killing it on our uh, Twitter handle. Don't forget, if we get to 10,000 followers, we're at what, like roughly 1,500, which isn't bad for only a few weeks up. If we get to 10,000 followers and 1,000 reviews on Apple Podcasts, we're going to have to throw down. I started practicing this weekend. Oh, you did? You yeah. started some rhymes? Oh, I listen, I went ham. You want to give us a little sample? I went, I went ham on a bad beat, too. You were inspired by Black I, I was. I went ham on a bad beat with some 10-year-olds in the car. All right. There you go. We'll have to sample that. Maybe we'll get a little sample of that uh, Wednesday. All right, thanks for checking us out.